Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's a late week edition of the Hey Mary Kay podcast as Mary Kay Cabot answers questions from our Football Insider subscribers uh, about Deshaun Watson, his contract and how it might affect the rest of the league. We get into Baker Mayfield a little bit. We get into what the Browns might do next in free agency with their $22 million of cap space uh, as of today. So that's coming up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. As I mentioned at the end of the podcast, I'll give you a little preview here. All our questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. So you've got to be a subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. Get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox. Get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns and become one of our tech subscribers so you too can submit your questions to Hey Mary Kay. Again, it's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up. All right, here we go. The Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on a late week edition of the uh, Hey Mary Kay version of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Of course, Mary Kay now back from Florida uh, and the owners meeting. So we're going to do a little catching up here with some questions from our Football Insider subscribers, Mary Kay. But look, everybody out there can guess the topics are very much uh, what they've been over the last few weeks. These These are the things people want to know. Let's just start here. We talked a little bit about Deshaun's suspension earlier in the week. Um, but Browns fans are very curious as to how this might all play out and when we might find out. So let's start with Leslie from Knoxville. Hey, Mary Kay, what do you think the timeline is for the NFL to announce Sean Watson's suspension? Will it happen before the season begins or could he start the season and then get suspended midway through? You know, that is such a great question. And the truth of the matter is that we don't really have a lot of good answers on this yet. They're still in the midst of their investigation. And when we asked Roger Goodell about this at the owners meetings this week, uh, he did indicate that there's a chance they could talk to more of the accusers. I mean, I think that would be uh, the, the wise thing to do. I think they've only talked to about 10 of them so far, and there are 22 civil suits, 24 accusers. So uh, they probably would want to work their way through uh, most of the rest of them, I would think. And then, uh, you know, then I think they're going to need to bring Deshaun in. So I think we've got a little ways to go here, but I don't think there's a necessarily a huge sense of urgency because actually for the most part, the suspension part of it wouldn't start until the first game of the season. So he'd be able to practice. He'd be able to be there for training camp. He's going to be there for the off season program. So I don't think they, I think they can take their time a little bit. And I think that's wise. I mean, he just had another grand jury convening last week, of course, returned another no bill or non-indictment again, you know, last week. So 
Um, so I don't think they should rush into this a little bit. I think they want to let it play out a bit. So the, the, one of the reasons I wanted to ask this question um, was because of that second part of it. Is there a scenario where they could suspend him after the season has started? Maybe we're eight games into the season and they finish their investigation and they decide, okay, we're going to suspend you for four or eight games. I don't see that happening. The only way I think that would happen is if a new criminal charge cropped up uh, one that, you know, not something that he will have done recently, but I mean something from in the past uh, that somebody decides to uh, file a criminal complaint and the prosecutor takes it on and they decide to have another grand jury investigation and he gets ultimately indicted that time. Nobody expects that to happen. Nobody is expecting that to happen. Uh, the Browns don't, the league doesn't. Uh, so that's unlikely. I think if a suspension is handed down, it will be before the season. And again, I think that it's also important to note that at some point between now and you know maybe the start of training camp, and I don't know if this will happen or not because Deshaun Watson is committed to clearing his name, but he might just decide to settle those civil suits. And if he settles the civil suits, then I think that hastens whatever the league is going to do. And then I think everybody moves on and get, gets back to football. I guess the other part of this is like, I mean, these civil cases could go on a while. Is there any chance that now no, I'm just, I'm going to just keep kicking the can down the road here. Is there any chance that a year from now we're still asking the same question? Like, could there be a suspension? I suppose that that could happen, Dan, because uh, as you just mentioned, there are 22 civil suits that could all go to a jury trial. And I mean, I can't even imagine what that would look like in terms of having to go to trial in the middle of the season. I mean, nobody wants any of that. But I did press Jimmy on that pretty hard at these owners meetings. And I asked him several follow-up questions. Will you try to get them to settle? Because sometimes uh, even though you are determined to clear your name and you maintain your innocence, sometimes you're almost uh, maybe cutting off your nose to spite your face by dragging everyone into a bunch of jury trials. And uh, I don't know, I, I think it could just drag on and on and not be good for anybody involved in this. But for him, it's a matter of principle. He feels he did nothing wrong. Therefore, he doesn't want an admission of guilt. And I do understand where he would be coming from on that. Uh, but in the end, I don't know if that's going to work for everybody in, in reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just kind of another distraction, right? If you have to, you know, I hate to maybe be that flippant about it, but if we're in the season and he's got to go to Houston or wherever for, for some reason for one of these trials, it's just one of those things that, you know, maybe you do just have to kind of suck it up and settle. Even if you didn't, even if you believe you did nothing wrong and are convinced you did nothing wrong, maybe that's just what he's going to have to do. And I understand that position if he's of the belief that he did nothing wrong. And sometimes you settle and people just kind of assume you did it because you were wrong. I, I understand kind of the, the corner that puts him in, but um, I mean, that just might have to be the decision he has to make at some point. Yeah. And I like, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that the Browns would make this enormous investment in him and want all of these suits hanging over his head. Now, again, they trust his legal team. But I just feel like there has to be some conversation going on between the Browns 
and his legal team where they say, look, do we all really want to go through this? Wouldn't it be easier if we just did this? And certainly now he has the money to settle these civil suits. So um, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, because uh, if you've seen some of the quotes by Tony Busby, the lawyer for the plaintiffs, he's talked about the fact that this could drag on for years. I mean, could you imagine having to continue? I mean, 22 civil suits is a lot if they all go to trial. I mean, that is a lot. And it's not like they would necessarily be over in one day. So there's a lot that still uh, has to happen with all of this. And, uh, and we don't exactly know where it's going to end up yet. Right. And like these things aren't starting next week. I mean, they, they might not start till next year, you know, I right. mean, it's, right. it's really complicated. Here's the other side of this. And this comes from Ken in Newberry Park, California. And sometimes this happens, right? We, we talk ourselves into this idea, oh, well, there's a suspension coming. This is definitely going to happen. And then we come to find out that the league decides not to suspend someone or, or there isn't the, the punitive action we thought would happen. So Ken from Newberry Park, California asks, hey, Mary Kay, what are the chances that Deshaun Watson does not miss any games due to suspension? Well, my takeaway when I was at the owners meetings was I, I feel like the league felt that it was uh, a mitigating factor that there were no indictments turned in by the grand jury. Uh, but I still think that they need to go through their own due diligence and talk to everyone. Uh, I, I find, I think that it would be very difficult to meet out justice after only talking to 10 of the 24 accusers, 22 of which filed civil suits. So I still think they have work to do on the part of the league. And, um, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure when or how uh, it will all come to fruition, but Again, I don't think they want to necessarily jump the gun and say, hey, we don't think he's done anything wrong. And then you find out, you know, that he loses 12 of the civil suits or something like that. I, I think they have to be very careful here. I think they I think there's also a, a whole PR side to this, too. Right. I mean, you have to really be careful in how you handle this, because there are so many women involved and there are so many women impacted by this throughout, you know, throughout the country. So yeah, it's, it's trick. It's tricky. It's difficult. Um, but I will say I left the owners meetings feeling like if they hand down a, uh, a suspension that it might not be as long as everybody thinks it's going to be. Okay. So now there was a question about the player who would play in place of Deshaun Watson, if he is suspended, uh, Jaco Jacoby Brissett. This comes from Drew in Garden Valley, Idaho. Hey, Mary Kay, why did the Browns decide to sign Jacoby Brissett versus another capable backup? I get that he has expertise, but his overall stats and his lack of the ability to escape the pocket makes me question his fit to this offense, especially given he may start four to eight games. Essentially, the season could depend on him if Watson is suspended and Drew is doubtful he can win that many games. So what are your thoughts? Is he an upgrade over Case Keenum? Well, you know what? Actually, the fact that they did sign Jacoby Brissett made me think that they don't think that there is a lengthy suspension coming down. I feel like if they thought that Deshaun Watson was going to miss an enormous chunk of the season, half the season or more, 
that maybe they would have signed uh, a, a better quarterback that could go out and win games for them. And, and not that Jacoby can't, but I don't necessarily consider him to, to be an enormous upgrade over Case Keenum. I think they felt that from a skill set standpoint, that there would be more of a seamless transition going from Jacoby to Deshaun, that that was just a little bit more apples to apples comparison. Uh, but I don't even know if that's so true. I think that I think the case could probably, uh, you know, do some of the things that they would have needed him to do. Um, I don't know. It, it's it'll be interesting to see how that works out. It just it just sort of said to me, we don't think that Jacoby's going to start eight games. We think that this is going to be a little bit less than some people believe it could possibly be. So I push back a little bit on the assertion from Drew that Jacoby can't escape the pocket. I, I think he, look, he's not as athletic as Deshaun. He's not, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Deshaun Watson, but uh, you know, I mean, just looking at what he did in Indy when he was a starter, he rushed 63 times in 2017, uh, rushed 56 times in 2019, uh, started 16, sorry, 15 games actually in both of those seasons. Um, I, you know, I think there's some, I think you brought in a guy who has experience starting, has had to start in tough situations, like when Andrew Luck retires on the eve of the season starting pretty much. Um, and, and a guy that's a professional who's young. I, I don't even think he's 30 yet. Um, I have his pro football reference page up here. Yeah, he turns, he turns 30 in December. So he's still relatively young. And, you know, I, I think he might be an upgrade over case, honestly. I, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Jacoby Brissett. I've always liked him. So uh, he might be a little bit of an upgrade over Case, but I think he maybe fits what they want to do offensively, maybe a little better than what Case did, especially if they're doing a lot of read option stuff and and things like that. Yeah, I think so too. I think they see it as uh, more of a match and they are going to be changing this offense, I think fairly significantly, obviously, because they will build everything around the skill set of their quarterback. And I've been hammering that point home for so long uh, that you do, you work with what you have to work with. You, you know, you go three tight ends because you have to go three tight ends. You go three wides if you can go three wides. If you have a quarterback that can run, uh, then you do all of those kinds of things. If you have a quarterback with an amazing arm that can throw on the run, uh, then you're going to run a certain kind of, explosive, more high flying offense. So I think we're going to see different personnel groupings, different formations. I just think it's, it's not going to closely resemble what we've seen the last few years. I I want to ask you this because this came out of the owners meetings too. There were questions about Deshaun Watson and his being a dual threat quarterback and um, the injury aspect of it. I'm I'm curious, like, you know, I feel like this is something that, you know, people are going to talk about over the next few months, but do we overstate that a little bit with running quarterbacks? I mean, Lamar Jackson has stayed healthy. Patrick Mahomes isn't like a running quarterback, but he's mobile. He moves around. He's managed to stay healthy. Deshaun obviously stays healthy. He did tear his ACL in practice, um, but that was like a non-contact play in, in 2017. It, should fans be concerned about that when, when you have a dual threat quarterback? It seems like the It seems like more than anything, it's just about does the guy know how to protect himself? more than does he run a lot? Yes, I I think that is a key issue. Does he know how to protect himself? Is he sort of injury prone or uh, can he manage that dual threat skill set that he has? And I asked Andrew Barry about that. And he said in no uncertain terms, 
We're not worried about that. He's going to run. He knows how to protect himself. He knows how to manage this. He knows how to slide. Uh, you know, he can do all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, he, he's a smart cerebral quarterback and he gets the ball out of his hand very, very quickly. So I think you put all of those things together and I don't think that they're worried about it. I don't necessarily think fans should be worried about it either. Uh, as you mentioned, there's now, there are now plenty of dual threat quarterbacks in the NFL and they do occasionally get hurt, but maybe not more than other quarterbacks. So, um, so I do think that, you know, I think he'll be okay for the most part, not a major, major concern. And they're certainly not going to put him in bubble wrap and throw him out there. I mean, I, I guess I've, I've almost, I've always thought like it's more dangerous in the pocket. Mm -hmm. Like it, now, if you run around and you don't take care of yourself and you're not smart, that's different. But like, I've always felt like if you're just standing in the pocket, that's where guy, that's where linemen fall on you. That's where, that's where crazy things can happen. You know, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow had that gruesome injury. Um, I mean, we see it from pocket passers a lot, but we haven't seen like the devastating injury necessarily from running quarterbacks who kind of, I mean, Josh Allen takes hits all the time and he's been pretty durable. Um, it just seems like if a guy's experienced enough and knows what he's doing and Deshaun Watson is certainly in that, in that category. Um, I don't think it's a huge, huge concern. Right. And plus he is just like some of the other dual threat quarterbacks like Lamar. I mean, they are so shifty and agile and fast that, you know, a guy thinks he's got him and he's gone. And I think that you'll see that with, with Deshaun, that he'll be able to escape that pressure. And I think he has a good sense of where the pressure is coming from. And the other thing to consider is, and I'm sure he considered this too, he's got a pretty darn good offensive line in front of him, especially if Jack Conklin is healthy and especially if Jed Wills is healthy this year. Now he's got a new center that he'll be working with, uh, whether it be uh, Nick Harris or Ethan Posich. Right now, I think it's probably going to be Nick, uh, but those guys will probably battle it out a little bit but he's got those two really good guards and they're all athletic and they all can move. I mean, that's the reason why they are on this line because uh, they're athletic enough to, um, you know, to pull and do all the things that they can do. And so they can, they can handle a mobile quarterback. And so I think that's going to be an, another key factor that, that they think that they've got some uh, pretty good guys that are smart and athletic enough to help protect him wherever he is. Okay, so there's some questions about Deshaun Watson's contract, but sort of outside of the Browns universe. So we'll start with Tyson from New Braunfels. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think one of the unintended benefits of Deshaun Watson's contract is that it will make it more difficult for a team like the Ravens or the Bengals to ultimately extend their quarterbacks? Well, um, yes, I think so. And I think that's why you saw Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, complain about this contract. He's got one of the next, actually the next big quarterback due for a huge extension. It's Lamar Jackson this year because Josh Allen got his, Baker Mayfield's not getting his, and Sam Dar Darnold is not getting his. So from the class of 18, uh, he's really the only outstanding guy. Now there are more, there are more guys coming up from the class of 19 that are that they can get theirs this offseason too. But, um, but for the most part, he's the next guy up. And yes, the owner of the Ravens duly noted at the owner's meetings that he does not love this. And I think the inference too was that he's not sure that someone who has 22 civil suits against him should have been the first guy to get the fully guaranteed five-year contract with a record 
$230 million guaranteed. So I think there was some of that there too. But, you know, part of it is like, well, now look what I have to do now. But he did also say, doesn't mean I have to play that game. Well, you might not want to play that game, but Lamar Jackson might want to play that game. Right. right. So you might not want to go down that road, but the bar is set and the bar is set high. Now the, the key is um, the key is the, the average. That's the number that these guys always talk about. So what happened here was Aaron Rodgers makes $50 million a year. And now uh, Deshaun makes $46 million a year, Patrick 45, Josh 43. So, you know, that's, you know, that's part of it too, that, that Lamar is going to want to fit in there somewhere. And he's, he might want to fit right under Aaron now. Right. I mean, he might want to, Hey, look, I'm next up. Let's go 47. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And they're slow playing it over there. Uh, yeah. And, and Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent either. Right. And it's not like he's sitting there doing it all by himself. I mean, he has, he has financial advisors and people that are, are helping him do this, but, um, but it, it definitely has upset the apple cart in the quarterback market. There's no question about it. And uh, even though other people don't like it and other teams don't like it, somebody was going to go there. Somebody was going to do it. And this is what they felt they needed to do to get this deal done. Yeah. That guaranteed money too is the yearly average and the guaranteed money is going to be a, probably a big game changer in all of this too. Um, and I'm very curious to see how a team like Cincinnati, who does not generally guarantee money or big money. I'm curious to see how they'll approach things with Joe Burrow. I mean, that's a team that like just this week was talking about, eh, we might finally have an indoor facility soon. <laughs> like that, that is not a, uh, an organization that just throws money around and they, they usually have not guaranteed salaries um, when they've done big extensions. So I'm curious to see kind of how they approach it. But, you know, the chargers are interesting because they're like, they're in a big market, but you know, they had to pay all that money to move and they don't have a huge fan base right now. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. There's some real complications here, but the reality is for the Browns, if they have their quarterback for the next five I guess next five, 10 years, and they win a Super Bowl or two, who cares? <laughs> who cares if it messes things up for the Ravens or the Bengals? Right. And that's how they feel. That is how they feel. How do we know that's how they feel? Because they took an enormous risk on a player uh, who was facing a possible suspension and facing possible uh, criminal convictions and facing 22 lawsuits and still gave him $230 million fully guaranteed. So they are absolutely 100% committed. They are all in and they did this to go out and get themselves that Lombardi trophy. That is what they want. They knew they were never not going to get it with Baker Mayfield. Let's face it. They did not value him in terms of being a top, whatever, 10 quarterback, an elite, elite quarterback. They wanted to be in on that party with everybody else that's up there where you can say, Hey, we've got Josh Allen. We can maybe go to the, uh, the, we can, we have a chance to go to the Super Bowl with him. We've got Patrick. We have a chance to go to the Super Bowl or Matt or Lamar or Justin. They wanted one of those guys, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. We want to be in the Super Bowl and we darn it are going to find a way to get there. And that's what this is all about. Yeah, exactly. And 
just to clarify, when I when I say who cares, we're talking about the contract and the money here. That's that, that's really what we're uh, what we're focusing on and, and right. talking about in, in this answer. Um, all right. So somebody did ask Frank Humer from Brexville asked about the Lamar Jackson contract. So we kind of folded that into this question. So uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, uh, there was a question about the Browns cap space and maybe what they might do next. And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, let's go to Mick in Frisco, Texas. He's asking about the Browns cap space, which right now, last I saw from the NFLPA, is somewhere in the $22 million range. Right. That's hey, right. Mary Kay, exactly how much cap space do the Browns have with Baker Mayfield still on the roster? And, and that's what it is. I'll check in here while we're answering to see if that's, uh, if that's changed at all. Uh, he's trying to understand what flexibility is left to sign rookies, a defensive end, possibly a wide receiver. In other words, I'll paraphrase for Mick here. What could be next for the Browns? What are they still capable of doing? Well, it depends on how you structure the contracts. If you're structuring the contracts the way they have been doing it with very, very low cap numbers this year, uh, like they did with Deshaun Watson, $1.035 million cap hit. I mean, cap uh, base salary. It's a $10 million cap hit, but the base salary is $1.035 million to get that cap number down. Um, if you do something like that and add voidable years on the end so that you're spreading out the signing bonus and, and uh, not throwing all of that under your 2022 cap, then you can do some creative and some interesting things. And they still want to sign Jarvis Landry and they still want to sign Jadavian Clowney. I think, I actually think that they still have a really good chance of signing those two guys. And and then I think they also would like to extend Denzel Ward. I don't think you really want to go into this season without signing Denzel Ward to his extension. So I think they would really like to have Baker off the book so that they can do all of those things. But they're also prepared to not have him off the books anytime soon. And we should also talk about that at some point in this podcast, the whole Baker thing, if nobody asked. Um, but, you know, it just depends on how you structure those contracts. I mean, if you extend Denzel Ward, then you're t- you can get that. Even that cap number can come down, Dan. You can get that 13 point. He's got uh, the fifth year option number of 13 point something for next year, nine, two or something like that for next year. If you sign him to an extension, you can bring that number down significantly too by the way that you structure the deal. So you can save a little bit of money there. And I'm sure they've probably got some other things in their back pocket too, if they need to do them. Uh, so I think they can do whatever they really want to do, basically. Okay, so you mentioned Baker and there was a question about Baker. So let's get to it. Gary Reed from Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Hey, Mary Kay, Andrew Barry indicates the Browns will keep Baker until the right deal happens. He also said they could end up with three good quarterbacks while other teams don't have one. He said they could manage Baker's salary this season. What would the results in the locker room be if the Browns did keep Mayfield along with Watson and Brissett? Did Mayfield have a lot of his support from his teammates? Well, I mean, it would be awkward. Nobody wants that to happen. And the Browns are hoping to trade him sooner than later. There's no market for him right now. Um, So I think as time goes on, they hope to have him out of here. And, you know, they don't really want to have to deal with this. But the reality of the situation is they also don't want to give him away for nothing and let somebody else pick him up and have them pay the tab. 
I mean, would they really want to pay $18.86 million and, uh, and then have him be playing for someone else? I don't think they want that. I mean, I, I heard, and I don't know if it actually would happen, but I heard that if something like that occurred, that the Steelers would pick him up in a heartbeat. Now, I don't know if they actually would, but you never know, or somebody else would for sure. It's about the money right now. That's the only reason why he's still here. Nobody wants to pick up that salary. So if they hang on for a while, they might be able to unload the player, the salary, and get a draft pick in return. The problem with that is that quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, do not get any physical contact. They don't get hit until the actual real games start to be played. So unless you have a weird, non-contact, torn ACL in practice, the way that it happened with Deshaun Watson when he was a rookie, nobody's going to need a quarterback probably until the season begins, unless some fluky thing happens. So, and, and some of those teams that lose their starting quarterback might feel good about their backup. Good enough that they don't need a Baker Mayfield. Um, so it's, it's going to be weird to see how this, uh, this plays out because the way that it's set up right now, if Baker Mayfield wants to show up for the offseason program on April 18th, the same day Deshaun Watson shows up, he can. And that, that could get a little awkward, weird, and uncomfortable. But you know what? Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. And if they have to do something like that, then, then they can figure it out. I mean, this is an organization that is not worried about handling uh, controversy, obviously. They're not worried about handling adversity. They feel very equipped to do all of that. So if, if it gets to the point where it comes to be training camp and Baker Mayfield has to be there, then Baker Mayfield will be there. And, and I have 100% been told that he will show up for anything that he has to show up for so that he doesn't breach his contract. He's not going to do anything stupid. He's got $19 million riding on this. So he's not going to trigger any kind of a violation in any way, shape or form. So if he's got to be there, he will be there. Um, so we'll, we'll just, we'll just have to see how it goes. Now, Deshaun Watson, he did some you know, different things when he was in Houston. I have to look a little bit more into this too, but, you know, he was working off on his own last year when he wasn't on the commissioner's exempt list. He was still with the team. He wasn't playing. Uh, occasionally he was the safety for the scout, you know, scout team look, the show team. Uh, so, you know, it, it just depends on, on where this is all going to go, but it's not going how anybody wanted it to go. Yeah, and... You know, they like he was with the team, but he was inactive every week. It was mm -hmm. it was just a bizarre situation. He was kind of just showing up for the same reasons Baker would show up. Like the check's still cash, <laughs> whether they want you there or not. Mm -hmm. the, the checks still go into that bank account. So um, and, and they want that contract to toll. So this is a question that whenever this Baker stuff does all kind of play out, well, I'm sure we'll revisit it. Um, but this comes from the 216 area code. Hey, Mary Kay, what is the future for Baker Mayfield? Does he have one? I think he has one. Uh, it's my sense that there are teams in the league that would be interested in Baker Mayfield and would have been interested in Baker Mayfield if the price were right. I think that there are some coaches that probably would like to get their hands on Baker Mayfield. I know there are coaches that liked him in the past. I mean, Josh McDaniels loved him when he was coming out in the draft. He really, really liked him a lot. 
now, maybe people don't feel the same way about him now as they did then, but I still think that there, there have to be probably some teams that would view him as, uh, as either a really good quality backup right now uh, that might be able to rebuild his career the way that Mitch Trubisky did in Buffalo last year. Now he goes on to have an opportunity to just start uh, or a quarterback that could win some games for you if, you know, as sort of a stop gap measure, he might not be your franchise quarterback or your quarterback of the future, but if you're going to go, you know, try to get a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett or something like that, maybe he's somebody that can hold down the fort for you for a while. Um, and then I think it's going to be a matter of rebuilding his career. And the best way for him to do that would be to get with somebody that really, really believes in him. You know, I mean, I think, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world for him to, him to end up in a place like Detroit, where, I mean, you've got John Dorsey that really believed in you uh, out in Seattle. You've got Alonzo Highsmith that really believed in you. He needs somebody to look at him with a fresh pair of eyes and say, I still think you're a good quarterback. I know former, you know, NFL coaches and coordinators that, that still think he's got merit and value and that he still has a bright future as someone that can win games in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I know that the narrative on Baker has, has changed for a lot of fans. And, and look, this last season was absolutely brutal for a lot of reasons. But I still think he's a guy that can play in this league. I'm not saying he's like a top 10 guy or whatever. But like, I mean, there's only so many true franchise quarterbacks, right? There's only, I mean, I bet if we tried to list them, we'd come up with like maybe seven or eight guys that you'd say, yes, that is a franchise go in the Super Bowl with this guy quarterback. And after that, Good luck. Like you, you, you just got to find somebody that can, that you can at least build something around and try and win some games with sort of like the Browns did in 2020. I mean, I, there's gotta be some quarterbacks out there that, that you'd look at and say, you know, I'd, I guess I'd probably rather take a shot with Baker than that guy. I, I just, I think there is a career still for Baker. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it's top 20 guy, top 15. guy. I don't know what it is, but I think there is an NFL career out there for Baker but he's, he's got to kind of take this opportunity to do too, to kind of look in the mirror and say, what could I have done better? You know, do I need yes. to kind of change my attitude and my approach a little bit? Yes. And if you look at some recent starting quarterbacks, uh, you've got the Jameis Winstons, the Marcus Mariota's, the Carson Wentz's, and, you know, and Mitch Trubisky's, you know, he's kind of in that category where, you know, you're not a hundred percent certain what he will be able to accomplish, but there's still something there worth investing some time and money and effort into. And I think once again, if he gets in the right situation, he might actually uh, be able to surprise some people a little bit, but I think he has to have some things that are pretty good around him. Um, I mean, to hear Scott McLuhan tell it, Tyler Dunn, uh, right of the what's the name of Tyler's podcast? Is it going long? Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up so we can give him credit. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. he talked I'll, to I'll Scott McLuhan, the uh, the former general manager of the Redskins, very close to John Dorsey, who was very instrumental in in helping the Browns arrive at the decision to draft Baker Mayfield in 2018 over the guy that I thought they should have taken in 2018. Um, but Scott McLuhan still feels like uh, Baker Mayfield is going to be one heck of a starting quarterback in the NFL, and that he's going to go out there and that he's going to be wildly successful. Did you read that, Dan? 
I did. Yeah. It was a little over the top from, from our it buddy was, Scott there, but it was very strong. Yeah. It was very strong, <laughs> but you know, he, he jumped on the table, so to speak. That's a scouting term, as you know, Dan. Um, but for some of the listeners that aren't familiar with some of that kind of stuff, he jumped on the table for Baker Mayfield and he was so all in on him in 2018 that I think it almost, and we'll do this when we do more, more of our uh, Baker shark bite series. <laughs> um, <laughs> That, um, that I think they didn't have any eyes for Josh Allen because they were so all in on Baker Mayfield. They just, they couldn't, they, they didn't look at anybody else. Now, I mean, and Lamar, now that's a different story with Lamar because Lamar, you knew that you were going to have to completely create a whole entire offense around him and turn him into, you know, something that you just didn't, nobody knew for sure exactly how that was going to work. I mean, you had to really commit to it like the Ravens did. And I don't know if the Browns would have been able to do that. So even though we may have, we undervalued Lamar Jackson for sure. I don't know that would have been a great pick for the Browns at that time. I mean, you had to be ready uh, to maximize his abilities and talents the way the Ravens did. But Josh Allen, that was a miss. That was a miss in my, in my mind, maybe in your mind now too. Um, But and, and I think it was because they, Scott McLuhan and John Dorsey were so all in on Baker, thought that he was the next Brett Favre. And I think, and Scott McLuhan seems to still believe that that's who he is. So we'll have to see. Time will tell. Yeah, it's uh, Go Long is what Tyler Dunn's uh, newsletter is, uh, is called. Um, and yeah, the, he did a long interview with Scott McLuhan. This was obviously before the, all the Deshaun Watson stuff went down and Baker was still sort of trending to be the Browns quarterback um, or maybe be the Browns quarterback. Um, he, he did that long interview with Scott McLuhan. Yeah. I mean, the, the Lamar thing is, a, is an interesting discussion just because, you know, I don't think the Browns were equipped to just change that offense. You know, he went to the perfect place, right? Stable GM, stable head coach. You know, they were, they were all in, you know, the Ravens have been all in on, on the analytics side of things for a while, the Browns were sort of trying to get there, but not all the way in just yet. Um, I, I, it probably would have been very messy just because there was no alignment in the organization at the time, but you know, look, Josh Allen is, I don't want to say traditional because obviously that completion percentage scared some people. There were things with Josh Allen that made him an untraditional pick, but I think you could have probably, I don't know. I'll leave that up to you and Doug to debate. That's going to be part of our Baker series is you and Doug yeah. debating whether, whether Josh Allen would have worked here or not. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Look, looking forward to it because I do have, you know, memories of that senior ball, just vivid memories of that senior ball. And it'd be fun to kind of talk about some of those things when, when we do that. But um, like I said, Scott McLuhan, you know, he's a good evaluator. He's a consultant for a lot, you know, for a lot of football teams. He was a former GM and he is still so sold on Baker Mayfield. It just, it's, it's amazing. Like he has not come off that position at all. Uh, so who knows? Maybe, maybe he will be right. And uh, Baker will beat Deshaun in the Super Bowl someday. <laughs> Could happen. That's, we're going to, we're going to clip that. That's going to be the only part that people <laughs> hear from this podcast right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, look, like I said, I, th- I think Baker can still be someone who plays in the league. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy, like that number one pick. But um, I, 
I just think, I think the narrative has shifted so much on him a little bit too far the other way now to where yes. it's like, Oh, this guy's going to be Johnny Manziel and never play another game. I, I, there's still talent there. There's still the ability to run an offense there. I think he can be a middle of the road quarterback at least. Yeah. I mean, I think he has to be in the right situation. Right. And that's why he wanted to go to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, my goodness, to surround yourself with that offensive line, with that running back, and with that defense, that would have been a pretty good plug-and-play situation for Baker Mayfield, right? If you go to a bad football team, you're, the chances are you're going to look bad. He needs to go to a good football team, but there's no like really good football team that is just sitting around needing Baker Mayfield right now. It just didn't happen that way. I mean, that was, that's what he wanted to do. He had a list of teams that he wanted to play for. And the Colts were number one on that list. And there were, there were others, you know, I think the, the saints would have been another one. I think the saints definitely would have been another one, but those jobs all dried up now. And I don't, I don't know where he's going to end up. I still see the Seahawks as a possibility. Now I've been told that, you know, Hey, we really like Drew Locke and we want to get, and we want to make this work. But I mean, if you have a chance at, at Baker Mayfield, at least pressing him for the starting job, I think that would be a wise move for them. Yeah. That, that's one of those guys where I think we went through team by team and we we're like, well, this is the starter for this team right now. That's one of those guys where I would say, well, are you sure you don't like if, if all things were equal, like you sure you wouldn't want Baker over him. There's a few, there's a few guys out there that I would still say, like if I if I didn't have to trade draft assets and pay him eighteen million dollars, I'd rather take a chance on Baker than than that guy. So I, I think I think Drew is probably in that category. And there's there's got to be five or six others at least where I'd say, yeah, you know, I think I'd still kind of rather see what Baker could do healthy. Yeah, I mean there are teams. I mean it's it's interesting the notion of, and I know I got people riled up with that whole Baker Mayfield Pittsburgh thing, uh, but like <laughs> I said, I had a a pretty high level NFL executive tell me that he thought that the Steelers probably would snatch him up if he was floating around out there. Well, you know, maybe it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world for next year to have Mitch Trubisky and Baker Mayfield competing with each other. I mean, we've seen what Baker Mayfield has done in his career when he has to beat somebody out for the starting job, not his NFL career, but his college career. Anybody, anytime he walked onto a team and the starter was there, he was like, you know, yeah, whatever. We'll see about that. And he won the job. So maybe that's a good situation for him to have to walk in to a Pittsburgh and beat out Mitch Trubisky. Now the Browns aren't going to trade him to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The only way he ends up in Pittsburgh is if he like maybe gets traded somewhere else and ends up there or something happens. The Browns are not going to trade him to Pittsburgh, but if he had to walk into Seattle and beat out Drew Locke, Hey, bring it on. That's how Baker operates. Or maybe even Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston. I I could see him taking on those challenges and saying, I've got this. All right, there we go. Our uh, late week edition of the Hey Mary Kay uh, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber. That's where we got our questions from, from our texters. So it's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And then also make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen. Look, a lot of people have been listening ever since this Deshaun Watson trade happened. And even before that, uh, we, we've been seeing a lot of new people come into this podcast. So that's exciting. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Get, leave us good reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews, because we'd love to see that stuff. Mary Kate, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.